The Sit Rep Podcast is sponsored by Black Sight Studio, the creators of incredible pre-color terrain. Whether you're looking for terrain in 28 or 15 millimeter, they have a wide selection just for you. No matter the type of game, Black Sight Studio has exactly what you are looking for. They have new releases all the time and their catalog continues to grow. So the next time you're considering new terrain, jump over to Black Sight Studio and you will find just what you need. Remember to let them know you heard from us. Black Sight Studio, the official sponsors of the Sit Rep Podcast. You are listening to the SITREP Podcast, your home for everything related to modern wargaming. Whether it's reviews, rules analysis, play-by-plays, hobby time, or even gameplay videos, we will bring it all to you. And now for your hosts. From England, we have Ralph from the Great White North of Canada, Chris, our historical editor, Big Jim Ariskany, and G, both from the United States. And now, sit back, relax, and get ready for the ultimate ride into modern wargaming. Hello, everybody. This is G, and you're listening to the Sit Rep Podcast, your home for everything modern military gaming. Today at the command table, it's going to be a light team. It's myself and Ralph from England. Ralph, how are you doing today? Excellent. So everybody else is out on R&R or some other mission. Uh, Jim is taking a well-deserved break. He's out seeing the fishes at SeaWorld, I think he said he was going to this weekend. Um, Marty is playing in the Dust Tournament at Polar Vortex, which is a local gaming convention here in Chicago. And Gaz is out in a pub somewhere. So when I find him, I'm going to sock him in the nose because, you know, he's not sharing. And uh, Chris up in Canada, he's still kind of MIA, and I'm hoping we can track him down and get him back on the team. So in the meantime, it's just myself and Ralph. And we are going to take you through uh, some adventures today in modern military gaming. So I thought the first thing we could talk about is the starter set from Spectre Miniatures. Uh, The reason being is that we got a set here in the studio, and it's going to be a giveaway prize to some lucky winner. Now, to be able to qualify for this, you have to either be a subscriber on our Facebook page, on our YouTube channel, or um, on our Twitch channel, or um, a Patreon subscriber. So how this works is you get one entry for Facebook, one entry for YouTube, one entry for Twitch. You'll get two entries for Twitch if you're an actual subscriber, uh, you know, paid subscription. Over on Patreon, you will get a additional entry if you're a supporter member. If you're at the team member, you will get two entries. And if you're at our producer level, you will get three entries. So technically speaking, you could get three, two, four, six entries if you're at the top level of everything um, as a chance to win the starter set. So uh, bad news. Bad news is if you really, 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 really want a starter set right now, you are SOL because they are sold out. But okay, so let's. We love the guys and gals over at Spectre Miniatures. Love them to death. Steven, Jess, and uh, Matt, love them to death. You know, 
And people need to understand it's a three-person, technically a two-person setup because Matt is more the rules writer and consultant, and he has a regular job that makes him travel all over the world doing what it is he does. It, so it's Stephen and Jess doing, you know, the the business side of it. So you know, Stephen's. Uh, sculpting the minis and you know all that they just farmed out vehicles to uh, an outside source uh, to have them manufactured because they just couldn't keep up with the demand you know um, you know when they're pouring resin and all that which is a great thing to a great problem to have when your stuff is in such high demand that it's selling out on the other side of the coin though and I get this a lot from messages from people on her Facebook page or in you know, a private messenger. Why is it that Spectre's always sold out? You know, um, and I think it's frustrating a few people. And I, it may be driving away some business, you know, that they normally could have. People are starting to go to like Empress and some of these other companies, which is good for those companies. But, you know, it's lost revenue for Spectre. Um you know, and I know they're trying to address it. You know, I want people who's listening to this to understand that they are they know what's going on and they're not oblivious to this. Um, but granted, like the starter set, it's a great gateway into the game and the system. Um, I don't know if they didn't plan the demand to be that high or, you know, what the, but they said it was going to be a limited release. I have problems with limited releases. Uh, reason being, I mean, it's a, it's okay to have a limited release for a special miniature for like a convention, you know, a nice little, you know, like the, you know, whatever miniature they have for certain conventions. That's fine. You know, it's a little bonus. If you're taking the time, effort, money to go to the convention, sure, you should get something special. However, for a starter set, I would not have made it a limited release. You want people to play your game. You want people to buy your minis. And giving them a set that gets them into it and hooked, and then they start wanting more and more, like the vehicles and, and you know other teams and terrain and stuff – Make it available to everybody. You know, I mean, it's a great p- price point. I think it's what fifty pounds, or it was sold at fifty pounds. Um, and that you and I kind of added up quickly in our heads that if you bought those pieces individually, it would be roughly somewhere between fifty four, fifty two pounds. So you say, is it? Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. So. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're doing a lot of um uh, yeah, they're doing a lot of Vietnam right now. Um but
Yeah. Uh huh. Which technical? Yeah, yeah, I've been looking at that. That one's still available for order right now. I just looked. I, uh... Oh, is it? Uh huh. Yeah. Yep. Well, I I know a lot of people would like that. I you know, there's a Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, and and it could have been uh, there to help move some of the other models that weren't moving individually, which is always a good thing to do. Um, however, I honestly think we need to have them develop a true starter set, you know, and if this is what they're going to do, and I thought it was a great set. I, you know, looked at it, and it's a great gateway in, and the price point was nice. So, okay, so you're, they say you save 20 pounds. So... Raise the price 15 more pounds and say you save five pounds by buying this. I don't know what their overhead is versus, you know, cost versus profit. And obviously you need to still make it profitable. Um, but even if it's even at 65 pounds, it's a great deal. You know, even at 70 pounds, even if he sold it at 70 pounds, it's still a great deal. And it people are more tend tend to buy more starter sets than individual pieces. Unless you're people like us who likes to get the rule book, read through the rule books, go, oh, this is good, and then I'll buy minis, right? There's a lot of people out there who aren't in that frame of mind, and they hear people talk about how great this game is, you know, and they want to buy an easy intro into the game, and a starter set is the way you do it. I mean, look at GW. GW does it all the time. You know, every other month they're putting out a new quote-unquote starter set, right? So, you know, and some of it's just re uh, using old 
a sculpts. And yet they put out a new starter set and people buy it up. It's sold out all the time. Um, you know, uh, Wild West Exodus puts out a starter set. Um, Mantix Games, they have starter sets. You know, so any of the name brand companies out there that are starting to be mainstream games, if you will, have a starter set because it's how you'll get into the game. Even obscure games, uh, heck, Harry Potter Miniatures has a starter set. So, you know, and, and was it uh, Pro, uh, Crisis Protocol has a starter set. So you want people to play your game, give them a starter set. Get them in the – get their foot in the door. Get them hooked on the excitement, and then they'll come back and buy other stuff. So that's – you know, from a business aspect, that is the way to go. And, um, you know, again, I, I love these people to death and I wish them nothing but success. But I know I've had people re reaching out to us all the time going, why are these minis always sold out? And I remind them it's a very small family operation. It's not a big company. You know, it's not like Fantasy Flight. Oh, we should talk about them, too. Um, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, they have some amazing miniatures. Uh, you know, we started uh, our 13 days, 13 hours project this past week. Uh, actually, a week from Thursday. But uh, I hope everybody got a chance. If you have not seen it yet, go on YouTube or Facebook. And you can check out the broadcast from Thursday night when we did Present Arms, our hobby night. And we have a new setup. You know, we have multiple cameras going, uh, close-up cams, wide cams. And it was great interaction. It was a really fun night. So if you guys haven't seen it yet, definitely check it in. We plan on doing that uh, much more in the future. Um, so, And we want to get you guys involved in it. So, you know, please, if you are able to, check in with us. Uh, I think Gaz is going to do – well, by the time this is aired, he will have done it the a week uh, prior. But – um, he's going to be broadcasting as well. So, yeah, but to the guys in Spectre, uh, it's a really nice set. Uh, really looking forward to the minis. The minis paint up nice. I, <laughs> if you didn't see the the uh, broadcast from Thursday night, you definitely have to check it out because I started painting one guy thinking it was Roan, the leader, and I went, shit, it's not. I was painting up Tig because uh, I started painting. I'm looking at the weapon going, that doesn't look like an M4. Um, crap, that's a saw. So, you know, I had to do some quick change and I messaged Jim and Jim goes, well, I'll change it in the, you know, in his graphics. Cause you know, we're trying to color coordinate the minis to his game pieces. So for his phase, um, and then I'm painting up the miniature we had picked for Roan and I'm, you know, I've primed it and I'm looking at the back and, you know, get ready to paint it. I'm like, that looks like a braided ponytail. And I went, why? It was the female operator. I totally forgot they were female operators. Um, so a little quick, you know, buzz of the Dremel, braid gone. And uh, Roan is, you know, corrected, I guess, if you will. So, um, yeah. So it was a very entertaining night. Um, a lot of good hobbying going on. A lot of good conversation. Dawn was running the control board. And uh, it was fun trying to teach her how to do switch things and set things up at, while we're doing the broadcast. And Marty was, you know, having a good time. So it was a lot of good ch uh, banter going on back and forth. All right. Let's switch gears a little bit. Oh, they don't have that? You know what? I don't think I've ever really looked at the uh, SWAT guys because, you know, I – no, I guess you're right. They only have – yeah. You got a shotgun. Uh, says an SMG. I'm not sure exactly what that is. You got Bravo team, which – well, I guess I should enlarge it so I can take a look. All right, so you got guys with M4s. That's the Bravo team. Um, you have this – 
shotgun. Uh, it looks like a bullpup shotgun. Um, oh, they call it a Caltech KSG shotgun, which is we don't use those. You know, I've I'm not familiar with any SWAT unit that would use that a Caltech. Um, you know, most of ours are going to be Mossbergs or um, Remington 870s um, or Benelli's or uh, Berettas. Um, Caltech. I don't know if anybody is aware of this. You guys might not be because, you know, guns are not a huge thing over in the UK. But Caltech does not have a good reputation and reliability. So um, we don't use them. So a lot of ours are going to be your Remingtons, your Benelli's, your Mossbergs, you know, your um, Berettas. Um, I prefer a Benelli uh, shotgun. Um in my patrol vehicle, I used to have a, a Remington 870. That was like the typical patrol shotgun. And I used slugs. We didn't use double lot buck. So, you know, because after the, I don't know if you guys remember, this was several years ago. I was actually in the police academy when this happened, which was funny because, I'm sorry, I'm going on a tangent here, but it kind of relates. Um, I was in the police academy. We were talking about the movie Heat. Do you remember the movie Heat? There you go. So you got to, you know, you could do a scenario in that. So we, we were in, we were in class and we were talking about the movie Heat. And one of the instructors we had one day goes, it'll never happen in real life. It couldn't happen in real life. No sooner had he said that. I think it was the next day the L.A. bank robbery happened. And, you know, the poor LAPD was, yep, full body armor, SKSs, AK. You know, they were doing the big shootout in the middle of the street where you had LAPD. So, you know, they had Remington 870s and their Berettas at the time. And they were so outgunned because SWAT hadn't gotten there yet. They were breaking, they weren't breaking in. They went into a local sporting goods store that sold rifles and they were taking the rifles from the sporting goods store so they could have somewhat equal firepower to what these guys had. Um, So it was a big mess. So the point being is that's why I carried slug rounds. Uh, so people who are not familiar with ammunition uh, in shotguns, you have what's called double lot buck. That's the big BBs, right? A slug is j- basically just that. It's a large bullet of lead in a 12-gauge size. So those, you know, you can – even if it doesn't penetrate somebody's heavy-duty body armor, it will knock you off your feet. So um, – you know, and then we had breaching rounds. I had, yeah, the SWAT would have like breaching rounds. You could use slugs to breach with or double op buck depending on what you're trying to breach. Um, we had a second shotgun that was painted yellow and green um, or it was had bright orange stock and handles. And that was our beanbag rounds. You know, somebody was being on control and you don't want to use you want to use less than lethal. You'd shoot them with a beanbag round. Um, so, you know, there was different options. But point being is I'm not familiar with any unit that uses a Caltech. Um I mean, maybe there are some out there because, like I said, Matt and Steven, they base everything off of real life. So there could be people out there that use it. Just in my area, I don't know anybody that uses them. We, we go with the ones that have been proven reliable. Um, so, you know, maybe they have. I don't know. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to uh, claim uh, ignorance on this. But just from my personal experience, we go with like the ben- – I love a Benelli. The Benelli is an amazing shotgun. Anyways, okay. So you got your SWAT guy. So you wanted an ex- – Um, as far as spectacle, I would like them to, you know, it's kind of hard because, um, 
I would like to see um, some British paras. Um, I, I would like that, you know. Um, I think I would like to see some British paras. Um, I would like to see maybe some marine uh, Marsoc guys. Uh, you know, it, you can use like the Rangers, you know, pretty generically as, you know, most equipment. I'm looking at the Green Beret Jungle Ops teams that they have here. They're not my favorite, uh, I'll be honest with you. And I know that they said they worked with close cooperation with actively serving Green Berets while in deployment in Central Africa. Um, I don't know. It just – something about them just doesn't sit with me. But, you know, I, I'm not current in what they're using. You know, I, I've been out of the Army since 2010. So I, I don't know what they're currently using. I know they have scars here that they're – some of the guys – and I can tell you, a lot of people hate those things. Uh, they're heavy. They're bulky. They just, you know, it's a good round, but it's uh, it's a penetrating round. It's not a jungle round. Um, if if you ever hear the history of why uh, the army adopted the five point five six or the two two three, is because it's a slower round and it bounces. So when it's when you're in a jungle and you're shooting, it will penetrate through stuff, but it also will spin and bounce. So um, it's a good jungle. You know when you're in, you're in terrain that's got you know obstacles everywhere. The seven six two round is meant as a penetrating round. It will go through just about everything. It will go through a fire hydrant. I don't know what you guys call them over in the UK, but you know the thing, fire hydrant. Okay. I didn't know if you guys called it like a plug or, you know, something like that. Okay. Yeah, some places do actually. Um, yeah, they will actually go through a fire hydrant. I've seen it done. Um, they easily go through cars like it's, you know, butter. Um, so it's just, I, I you know, I don't know. It's um, it's just one of those things, you know. Uh, um I don't – it's just something about – I don't know if it's the baseball hats that they're wearing. I, 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 it's just something about them that's a little off-putting to me and I don't know why. Um, a lot of them are wearing some kind of like utility belt with all their stuff on and most people have gotten away from getting stuff off their waist and putting it on their chest and back because it's it helps your lower back. Um, that's why you see a lot of guys with Molly gear now with their armor, their body armor with the, you know uh, uh, pouches and their magazine pouches and everything on the front because um, it definitely saves that and um, – I don't know, it's just something about it just seems a little off to me. They're really well sculpted. I, I'm not taking anything away from the artist. Uh, it's just the way that they're set up to me. Um, they don't have radios. You know, that's the other thing. When you look at these guys, uh, what I'd like to see if we're going to do this, um, and I'm going to look at, let me look at the uh, SF guys here again. I'm going to go to the um, Rangers, okay, just as an example. Uh, the Rangers are really well kitted up uh pretty but none of them have a radio you know if you look at any pictures now of guys you'll see antennas coming out of their vest left right and center right so uh, i would like to see that molded in or designed i know and i know that's going to be difficult because that's going to be such a thin piece of material so um i i honestly i don't have you know other than things like the marsock or I would like to see PJs, uh, pararescue, uh, Air Force, you know, jumpers. Uh, I would like to see a couple uh, PJs, uh, 
because they had they played a big part in as far back as Mogadishu. Um, you know, so why not put some of those guys in there? I'd like to see some combat controllers because now the Air Force has. M- bunched in their combat controllers, their PJs, their uh, weather guys, um, all those into their special operations group. You know, now every branch has its own special operations group, right? Because it's the cool thing to be this day. So, uh, you know, I'd like to see a, a little bit expansion there. And I know Spectre doesn't really play. Its strong suit is not larger battles where you would have all these specialties. It's more of the specialized covert ops or special ops stuff. And that's cool. I love that to death. Um, And I'm also in agreement they could broaden their range with different civilians and combatants and things like that. Um, So I would like to see that. I would like to see some tokens for IEDs. Um, I know we can make some, you know, stuff like that. And I know that's difficult. You talk, you're walking on territory that is very sensitive to a lot of people. And I understand that, but you know, um, I think people want to see that. Like I said, I would like to see uh, British Para, uh, Marsoc, uh, Air Force Special Operations, things like that. Um, I would like to see them get into some Germans, the GS uh, G9s. Um, yeah, uh, some French, maybe some Foreign Legion or French Special Operations. Um, you know, there's so much that they could. Uh, and I know why they picked what they did because those are the most popular ones, and that's what everybody wants to play. Um, but if you want to just expand your range a little bit, you could look at some of the other uh, units as well. Um, so that's kind of – yeah. It could be. Uh-huh. Is he? I, I saw another company had produced their own version of that or John Wick, whatever they're going to call them. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Copyright pending. Hey, yourself. Um, let's bring that up. But yeah, it, it looks. I'm not sure. <laughs> Sure. What what era that would be? Uh, let's take a look. So if you look, the the very first sort of pitch on the the list type of thing, you'll see a green. Oh yeah, yeah the greens. Mhm. Oh, so you see them. So it's a chemical suit, definitely. It's a chemical suit. It's a uh, yeah. He's got a gas mask on. Mm-hmm. That is a. AK-74? Is it? Yeah, it looks like a new AK. Right. So it might be some up-to-date more spetsnaz in their chemical suits. Yeah, it could be. Which, okay, so walk me through this, because I, I, what's with the, everybody doing the chemical suits these days? Are they I'm not sure. Uh, us doing, um, you know, some kind of... Um, Oh, what am I trying to say? Some kind of, you know, terrorism thing where you got chemical weapons? I have no idea. Is it not something now because it was, shall we say, after Chernobyl came out and stuff? Uh-huh. You know, the the, the, the miniseries and stuff, and it's become more of a front, more of a, more, more in, shall we say, news. Um, because it was the... 
chemical spill. I think that wasn't reported in Russia. Okay. I think this, you know, last year there was something mentioned about there was an incident somewhere. It wasn't a chemical spill. It was a nuclear uh-huh. issue in in Russia that wasn't reported on at the time and things. Um, or the, do they think that because of the state of the world, that it's one of the the one of the things that's you know um, a possibility? Because okay. all of this stuff is is you know what if, isn't it? It's not. Yeah, it's not you know it's it's not, God forbid, ever going to happen. You know, um, from point of view of what we play out on the tabletop. Granted, yeah. we we are playing out some historical battles that we know happen or historical incidents, um, but future things like what Spectre deals with. Um, but I'm wondering as well is these minis uh, could be used for that new uh, Osprey game that's coming out. Uh huh. The the Zoarf is it Zoarf? Let's have a look. I'll try and pronounce it correctly. Um, uh, Zona, so Z O N A Alpha, hmm. which is the new skirmish game by um, by Osprey, and it's um, for people who don't know or people who uh, think it's this, there was a PC game came out called Stalker, which was set in Chernobyl. Okay, set in that area of Russia, and you know you were basically hunting each other through long grass and um, the whole, you know, nuclear waste and, you know, the Geiger count and stuff like that. So these minis could be used for that. Yeah. As well as Spectre, doing Spectre, but also used for that near future, you know, area thing. So I'm not too sure, but halfway down, if you look on the third line down, you'll see the new scope that they're doing for Mr. Baba Yeager. Okay. Um, which looks really nice, actually. Yeah. So I've got a suspicion that might be a convention mini. Well, that'd be cool. Maybe I'll actually get one this year because I you messaged me last year, go pick up Bobby. I'm like, who the hell is Baba Yaga? You know, unfortunately, yeah. when I'm in Adepticon convention mode, all I'm thinking about is I got to get this video out. I got to edit yeah. this one. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you were like, you got to pick this up, and I'm like, I didn't even put two and two together, and I had just watched John Wick. <laughs> one or two so i was like duh you know so oh yeah yeah but there's lots of interesting things coming out i think and and like we said you know the the deal for the starter set will is a really good deal it's just a shame it seems to be sold out at the moment but yeah. there is an option on the website to say email me when this gets comes back in stock so you never know demand yeah. might be that you know, they bring it back into stock, and I think they will. You know, you know the, uh, another interesting thing, I don't know if you noticed, but there's no more links to Black Site Studio on the Spectre page. I thought there was, didn't there used to be a link form for the There terrain? used to be, but that was limited time only, I uh, think. For just, another limited time see, only thing? I think it was just to see what the demand would be through Spectre website. Gotcha. Um, because remember, Spectre does, for the UK, uh-huh. predominantly. Um, so, I mean, I've looked at Black Site Studio stuff, and I love it, but the shipping would probably kill me. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, so, but then I'm also looking at, there's a Australian company who take, there's a collection. I think I've sent you the link to them before, but we'll, we'll have a chat off thing about it is, um, that does, uh, the SLA files for 3d printing. Uh huh. And they've got a set of what's, um, modern, you know, Middle Eastern, Okay. Uh, it's 65 euros for all of the SLA files. 
one of the SLA files looks like the Olympic Hotel. Oh, okay. And it's a 28 millimeter. Uh-huh. Um, and there's SLA files in there for what looks like destroyed buildings. So it's like a three-story, three-story, and then so probably like two or three buildings are tight, like a an apartment block, all destroyed and crumbled. So it looks like something from say Aleppo. You Holy know, when you cow. saw the wait pictures. a minute, wait a minute. So these are three printable files. Yes, they're 3D printable files. There's my my uh, resin printer is not that big. No. Uh, but there is a resin printer out there that has a large enough base to start mm-hmm. printing terrain. It's yeah. a little bit more expensive, but I, mm-hmm. I, I've I almost pulled the trigger on it twice, and I'm like, uh, Dawn's going to kill me if this shows up. <laughs> you know, so, but, um, I'll yeah. send you the link again. Yeah, send me the, the link so the I can SLA, take a look at it. For the SLA files, um, there's a drone, uh-huh. uncrashed, a crashed drone, a Learjet. Uh-huh. You know, so, you know, there's lots of files to 3D print. Um, I know I've, I've said to myself, if I ever win the lottery in the UK, I'm going to go the whole hog and go to Foam Labs, yeah, <laughs> and buy the phone, you know, the whole kit and caboodle from Foam lab, Foam Labs, because they've got a brand new large base resin printer coming out of the back end of the air. Uh-huh. Which will be very expensive because it's, but it's, it's a, it must be, it's a huge large base resin, you gotcha. know, printer. So you know, three D printing changes the world. Yeah, yep, sure does. <laughs> in, a, in a way, but um, now there's some nice resin. There's some nice three D files there for building tables with. Really, really nice stuff, and then you can intermix those those bits with the things from like Antonossi's workshop. You know where you've got the destroyed cars and stuff like that. Yeah, and you could create a whole table set somewhere in the Middle East that looks like it's been hit by shelling and stuff like that. Yeah, that'd be nice. Mm-hmm. Be really nice. So, lots of interesting things. So, shall we talk about the thirteen hours? Let's talk thirteen hours, shall we? Um. So, you and I have, you know, in the previous podcast, been talking about the rule set to use. Mm -hmm. Um, And your recommendation was skirmish, uh, just based upon why skirmish? Why don't we uh, remind people why you recommend skirmish instead of, say, Spectre or Contact Front or something like that? I think um, from my feeling, and, you know, everybody knows, you know, I love Spectre. I think Spectre is a great system. Uh-huh. It's superb. But I think Skirmish lends itself a bit better to what we want to achieve with the 13 hours because it gives you that role-playing element right. within it. Mm-hmm. You know, where you can, you know, you generate your your stats. You know, you roll a D10. That's the stats for that, that person. And then it, it just gives you that little bit more, shall we say, investment yeah. within the character that you've created. You know, I mean, if need be, you could take the 13 hours idea. And what what was the JRS guys? How many guys was it? Was it six. eight guys? Or six guys. Six guys. Technically, you could run it as a six player. You know. Yeah. Yeah, you could. Game. Because each person could take control of that one guy. Uh-huh. And, give, and it gives you, and it, from that point of view, it gives you that role playing idea. Right. Within it. And I think it's a game system, you know, that, that we want to have a look at more in in depth especially with you know us chatting with colin and also knowing that um ultra combat's coming you know soon 
Yeah. Um, and Ultra Combat Normandy's out and stuff like that. And unlike Spectre, uh, which has the increment ranges and things like that because of the type of combat it is, uh-huh. you know, there's no ranges and things like that within within the the Sangin system. You know, there's no ranges and stuff like that. Granted, it is. A, I think there's a little bit more bookkeeping involved. Yeah. But I think for what you want to achieve with the, you know, having six guys against many, I think this would probably lend itself a little bit quicker in the long run for for, for creation-wise. No, I... But don't I, get me wrong, you could easily create it inside of Spectre, you know, it's it's just... I think it's just looking at the different... at the, the difference out there, and, you know, Sangin's the granddaddy, if you want to say, uh-huh. the modern gaming systems out there. I think, you know, it was the first one... It was the first one I bought. It was the first one I knew about. Right. Sangin, so, you know... You know, so so going back and starting at the beginning, but you know, we we can take say the next time we do something like this, say we do Mogadishu or we do say the Falklands, you know, uh-huh. the say the attack on Pebble Island might be an interesting one to look at. Yeah, you know, we could these we could pick Spectre for that, a new Spectre for that. Of course. Yeah, that um, and we decided to go even a little deeper with the rule set and use the uh, add-on rules from plausible deniability because mm-hmm. um, that really addresses more of these type of characters that we're going to be modeling and playing um, right so the um, the GRS guys so they're they're in that rules I'm having a problem I can't remember which drive I have my rules book set on so I'm still looking for it but um, you know I know you have yours yeah um, so well what of, I can do G if yep. you give us a couple of seconds I'm going to can you see my computer screen? I can. See, there you go. All right. Let me uh, bring that up here in full glory. So as you can see, I've got yep the two rules set up. The power of Skype. The power of <laughs> Skype. So there we go. So. Yep. So yeah, there's Marsock right there in theirs. Um, yeah. You know, so you do have that ability. Yeah. But it was more looking at that point cost options. Uh huh. Because then, even though it says Marsock, you can still use that point cost. I think to denote the costs for the JRS guys. Yep. You know, going going off the type of weapon. Yeah. So. So do no- they have CIA contractors in there? Do you know where uh, um, PMCs? Well, they're SEALs. Marsoc. We'll see what's in the, the thing at the top because it shows you here what we've got. We've got... No, that's what you're limited there, but it allows you... you know, well, you can create your own. You can create your own, yeah. So if we yeah. go to the creation of your own, which is there. Yep. So regardless of body types, both groups are trying to shoot out. So the rule is when it comes to firearms, if you pay the points. So I think it's just working out, you know, because you create your own in the, 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 with them being, you know, flexible. You can say, well, these two guys are uh, elite. Uh-huh. Um, the Marine guys and the Ranger guys might be classed as professionals. Yeah. And it's just specking them out that way. Yep. 
from from point of view because I think that the the like the orbit Marsoc and the orbit uh, SAS and stuff they're just examples. Yes. Of, yeah. of what they've done, you know, um, where say for example we take, you know, there, there's because we knew there was two seal guys there. Uh huh. Um, so it would be up to you to say what type of seal is it? Uh, is it a leader? If so, it's going to cost you more because there's going to be the additional skill things within that you get for being a commander. Or is it just going to be an elite operator with an M4 and uh, CQBR yeah. Uh, yeah. weapon? And then it's just working out, not necessarily the dice roll, but the if we're if we're going down the points cost route, which I don't know, I don't think we will be, will we? Uh, no, because it's not really based on points. We're basing these on, you know, a real life character. So we're, the points is not going to be a consideration in this. We're, we know we're going to have six guys plus an interpreter going yeah. against a whole bunch of bad guys. So, yeah. you know. So it's just working out the weapon loadouts of what yep. the guys are going to be carrying. Yep. So you've got to have, was it one saw? Uh, probably two. Well, <sighs> Yeah, I think we're going to go with one saw. I, I have to go back and do a little bit. Um, was that an M240 or was that an M249? 249 para. Right. So you've got one, basically, LMG and a bunch of M4s. Yep. Uh, with sidearm forces. Well, well, one of them was... Hold on a minute. Let me bring up that uh, I have the I weapons have. list here. We can kind of talk through it. Okay. Okay. So, the weapons used. Obviously, handgun was a P226, which mm-hmm. we you know Six. Glock 19, yeah. yada yada mm-hmm. Glock 17. Uh, we're we're looking more at the bigger stuff. Okay. So, most of the guys were carrying Colt M4A1s. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Boone had one, Tonto had one, Tig was carrying them as secondary mm-hmm. weapons. Uh, Silva and Oz were carrying them as their primary. Mm-hmm. Um, the CIA uh, security personnel were M4s, the M4. Um, so, yeah. So, M41, M4, M4, let me try that again in English. M4A1s were the primary yeah. or secondary weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, Doherty had an Mark 18, but. We're not using Doherty because he's the Libyan, um, the Tripoli response, so we're not doing that. Yeah. Uh, Roan was using a Salient Arms International Gray Rifle, which is an offshoot of an M4. Uh, right. It's got the longer barrel and the heat shields mm-hmm. on it, so uh, titanium receive or um, is it titanium, I think it is. Um, yeah, I think it's a titanium. Uh, but, you know, and then... Um, the Delta guys were not worrying about. And then the sniper rifle was an HK-417. Right, yeah. Uh, so that's the sniper rifle we're going to be using. Uh, FNs we're not worrying about. M16s we're not worrying about. AIMs, uh, so, you know, offshoots of AKs uh, mm-hmm. for the bad guys. Yeah, yeah. you're going to have an offshoot of AKs, probably some pistols, machetes. Yeah, FNs. And... So, yeah. yeah. Uh, the machine gun was the 249 paratrooper. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was used by Tonto and Tig. That's the that's the shortened version, isn't it? Yep, yep. So I have um, Tonto or Tig already painted up with that. Two forty Bs we're not going to use because that was used at the compound at the end when they mm-hmm. got back. Um, obviously, there's the light machine guns and PKMs and all that, and then a douche. Yeah. Um, so 
Modus's we're not going to use because that doesn't fit into the scenario. Shotgun, mm-hmm. uh, we're not going to use that. I mean, we could technically use that for the DS agent, but we'll probably just give them M4s. Um, yeah. And then there was the HK-69 Alpha-1, which is the grenade launcher. That is what TIG was using that he drops. Mm-hmm. Um, and then RPG. So that's kind of the roundabout of the weapon. Yeah. So, you know, in, in generic terms, I don't know the weapons charts in mm-hmm. the game. I'd have to look to see what exactly we can model. But a lot of it's going to be M4s and yeah. whatever they use for a sniper rifle and then a 249. So. Uh, the sniper rifle there was classed. It's classed as a, a DS a DSM. Okay. So it's a designated marksman rifle, uh-huh. um, which is I think slightly different than the standard sniper in the rules. Okay. Because their their definition of sniper, if you look in this list, is like the Mark Eleven, the M One O Seven, the M Forty. Uh huh. But the H and K Four Seventeen, the Mark Seventeen Mod Zero, are DS. DMR, DMR, sorry, the DMRs. Uh huh. Um, so their their marksman rifles not full on sniper, which denotes, I think, that they have the semi-automatic property. Yeah. Um, compared to the standard, most I think I'm probably wrong, and I do apologise to all of the gun enthusiasts and people out there that know this, that most modern sniper weapons are bolt action. Or seem to be now. Uh, no, be- most of them. Uh, well, see, there's there's a difference of school of thought on that. A lot mm-hmm. of the modern weapons right now are semi-auto. Uh, right. Some of the other ones are still like the M700 series um, mm-hmm. is bolt action. Uh, right. The reason being is you'll get people who say that bolt action are more accurate because you don't have the semi-auto action of mm-hmm. you know ejecting the cartridge and reloading, so there's less mm-hmm. barrel travel. Um, so, but a lot of things like right now, you know, you'll got a 308. The HK is a semi-auto, so yeah. they're they're kind of moving away from bolt action to um, you know obviously the Barrett is a semi-auto. That'd mm-hmm. be cool. Um, it's very scary. <laughs> so, you know, it's just so, but everything we're going to use, there's going to be no bolt action on the GRS side. No. Yeah. So. Well, it's the same damage, anyway, as a sniper's rifle looking in the rules here. So, you know, it's, it's still 4D10 damage. Yeah. Um, it's got a range of 200, the sniper rifle, which will be what you use, um, 250, I think that's inches. Yeah. Uh, 500 meters. A range. I, I think it goes beyond that, but I think that's the optimum range within the within the root set. Uh huh. More than anything, so you know your 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 weapon types within the rules, which I've got open up here, is 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 going to be you know it's going to be the same. So you know it's just you know your GMP and your MM, which is the M two four forty or the two four nine. Yeah, is the same as a PK. PKM, the douche could be slightly different because I think vehicle weapons are slightly different when they're mounted yeah. on the technicals and stuff. I think yeah. they do it slightly different. But most of the weapons and everything from the from the rule standpoint is going to be the same. It's just um, it, it's just basically looking at what each of them have, uh-huh. putting it against the character, and then rolling, you know, to see what specialisms they've got, you know, whether you know the marksman or, and that comes around to when you're creating the character. Yeah. So it's just working on, you know, so if you look, we've got a sort of generic force here, which is, say, your standard 
I've just went on Australia there. So, you know, you've got your standard riflemen, you've got your grenadiers, you've got your assistant squad leaders, you know, you've got your grenadiers and things like that. Hey, look, it's a war pig. Yes, it's a war pig. I, actually, I, no, you know what? Not, Dang it. I need that picture for reference. That's a massive, actually. So I can fig. Well, it's pretty similar to a war pig. I can use that yeah, to finish my war pig. Yeah, it's the massive that one. It's the British yeah. um, one that you can actually get if you if you if you're lucky enough to hunt it down. Airfix do a one forty eighth scale version of that. Oh really? Oh yeah, that's a very nice Airfix kit. And Empress, speaking of miniatures, did minis uh-huh. that could go into it. Okay. British. British like uh, gunners and drivers that could go into the FX Mastiff nice uh, uh, vehicle yeah it's, it's it's one of the the shall we say the more interesting vehicles that seems to have popped up from the conflict over there excellent so but um so yeah I, I think you know just just thinking off the top of my head it's just going to be now for you to sit with your rule book Work out what you know, what the what the you know, which you've already got. You've got the car, the what the what they're carrying. Yep. And then just working out, you know, either rolling a dice or saying, you know, this guy has got, you know, a body type of X, body type of Y. Um, I'm assuming it might be more, uh, shall we say, give you that element of randomness wherever you roll. Yeah. Instead of saying, you know this guy does this because remember the bo- the way it works in the rules is the body type if I remember correctly is the number of APs you get number yeah. of action points yeah um, and it tells you on what round on what combat phase because the way Skyrim works is you have 1 to 10 is your combat phases uh huh um, and so in the example here this guy's got a body of 17 yeah yeah so he operates on th- on four phases so you can operate on four, phase four, phase six, phase two, four, six, and eight. And that's when they can act activate. Yep. Um, the other thing I will send you, which will help, is I've got it. I went through when I first got Sangan, and I created an Excel spreadsheet where you could put the body type in and it would work out things like phases and all of that stuff. It was for points calculation. Uh-huh. Because Sangan did lend, it lends itself to, you know, you've got a 500-point army or 500 point squad here this is it so i'll send you the excel sheet that'll help you okay sounds do good. all that because then it, it saves a lot of the math <laughs> math bad <laughs> yeah who said so if you could uh you know since you are our graphics artist dude you know mm-hmm. if you could create some cu- cool custom character cards for our guys that would be amazing yep. that we I could show up I've got a spe- I've got a Sangan one somewhere I can modify. Awesome. Cool. Because yes, I, I have been playing with graphics this past week. <laughs> Excellent. So yeah, uh, I'm excited. Um, mm-hmm. I think it'll be really good. Um, yeah. Are you planning on? Are you going to record the whole thing when you run it? Uh, the actual game. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 We're gonna stream it. 
I was going to say we're definitely streaming it, but yep. I, I was just thinking for the people that don't have, you know. Oh no, no, it'll be uh, access. We'll, we'll put it on well. YouTube and stuff. Yeah, no, yeah. no. Once we, we stream it to all the, uh, they automatically record it on Facebook and YouTube, mm-hmm. so it'll be there for yeah. future, you know, uh, later viewing for those who can't mm-hmm. do it live. But yeah, so you know, um, just real quick recap for everybody. So it's a three phase project. Uh, you know, obviously, well, it's. The three-phase game, but it's a multi-phase project. So that you know, we're creating the miniatures right now, or not creating them, but painting them up. Um, we're Marty, Chris, and I are creating the board. Uh, Gaz is painting up some of the bad guys. Uh, we're going to paint up some bad guys as well. We're planning on sixty miniatures representing bad guys. We, I think we decided on a ratio of one miniature represents three guys. Yeah. Um, the good guys will be one to one. What you see is what you get. Um, we are building the ambassador's compound. I talked to the guys over at Black Sight Studio. They're going to help us with terrain. Uh, we did get oh, cool. some some terrain from Sarissa Precision to start us off because mm-hmm. uh, they had a sale. And then I'll get the rest from Black Sight, our, our wonderful sponsors of the podcast. Um, because they have a swimming pool that we definitely need. You know, if you've heard that, we're going to make sure the swimming pool's there in the compound. Um, so the game is broken up into three phases. Phase one is transition from CIA annex to the ambassador's compound. So that's going to be uh, that's being created by Jim. That'll be uh, kind of a, a homebrew rule set. Um, so we have to race through the streets, avoid you know roadblocks, uh, address bad guys or possible bad guys and every turn we said is going to take us about a minute in real life we're probably going to fudge that a little bit we still have to talk about that but theoretically it should have taken them what do we say seven to ten minutes to get from the annex yeah. to the compound um, i think it's so, about that uh we're going to see you know and we're going to build a timeline so every turn that it takes you to get there or something else happens it's an escalation type thing and if you don't get it by the certain plan time, then the further it takes you to, or longer it takes you to get there, but more things happen. You know, at a certain turn, the building catches on fire. At a certain, you know, so all that stuff that happened in real life, we're going to build that into the time frame. So I know Jim's working on that. So we're going to have that anticipation and stress. And then on top of that, whatever happens to the GRS guys in the transition game is what happens to them in the tabletop game. So if for some reason we get somebody wounded or is incapacitated, they are no longer in the mix when we get to the tabletop. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's all going to culminate. And then once we fight it out on the compound and we've recover who we can we got to race back to the annex and so then it comes to do we get back safely or does the inc- crowds increase as the weapons increase um and then we still have to make it within a certain amount of time so there's it's a it's a race against the clock if you will in some aspects um so it's going to be like going through the buzzsaw right uh, yeah. we have not decided about doing a four phase which would have been the alamo or the, the standoff at the annex um Gas sent me a we, file we, for yeah. Arma 3 that simulates that <laughs> standoff. So if we get really crazy, we might just do it in Arma. I don't know. We'll see. Um, because now I got my network set up where people can actually mm-hmm. join the game with me. So maybe we can get the command team to all play a character in the standoff, and mm-hmm. uh, we can fight it out on on the screen. So That might be an interesting one. Not a multiplayer Arma game of, yeah. of us. But um, no, that... That that things I think as well from a from a table type point of view for for the Alamo especially uh-huh. I think that would be initially a bridge too far 
for the yeah. 13 hours and 13 days thing yeah. because that would take a lot of I think of work of, of setting it up especially from from a table point of view especially if you you know I know it's not as accurate but the film you know you you, you see that Alamo incident in the in the film 13 hours yeah and I think trying to replicate that on the tabletop especially in 28 millimeter that's probably a six month project I would yeah. think really you know from getting everybody painted especially the addition of vehicles because it was I think there would be more than one tentacle involved and the number of minis would just exponentially go up um, but one of the things I think we could do for this and it might be something to chat about anyway as, as a group is I did a Spectre game which was like the Alamo uh-huh. um, I played the Insurgents and I've seen it done on other ones um that when the unit was wiped out, okay, they would go onto the edge of the table, and there would be the reserves that come in. Uh huh. So you know you're re- you're technically regurgitating or redeploying the dead as another unit ready to come on. Yeah. So it was you know that type of that type of thing because then it it becomes especially for something like an Alamo event event, the overwhelming numbers are you keeping you know on top of stopping those overwhelming numbers, but then you'll, you'll have the flip side of that of ammunition depletion. Uh-huh. So, you know, it's, it's something to, to, shall we say, think about, I think, um, and do that as a later, it might be a later oh, project yeah. that we, yeah. we tackle, I think might be, might be yeah. a better way of doing it. I think we got enough on our hands with doing the ambassador's compound because Marty yeah. worked out that we need 24 linear feet of wall alone. Just, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. That's a lot of wolf. Yeah. So uh, our our plan is this week is to finish up uh, the GRS team, get them all painted, because mm-hmm. uh, I think right now we're twelve hours and fourteen. Or I'm sorry, twelve days. Uh, we're fourteen hours into the project, and our right. first, you know, so we have twelve hours, seven, twelve. <laughs> oh my God, this math is killing me. Twelve, 12 days, days, seven hours left yeah. of this. So. Um, Right? No, that's not right. That's that doesn't add up to twenty four hours. So how many hours are we in at the moment? Twelve. We're twelve or fourteen. We're twelve hours in. Good God, I can't we're even. 12, we're twelve hours in, so we have <laughs> twelve eight. Twelve days. Hours. Twelve hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Math. Uh, I need a calculator. <laughs> I need more life for juice, gosh darn it. Um <laughs> It's still well. I was gonna say it's still early here, but that's not true. It's now uh, eleven thirty no, my time. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So um, you know, so it's a great project, guys. You got to follow along, and you got to start watching these hobby uh, nights. Uh, the interaction with the dual screens, and you know, um, you know, if we end up doing like a hobby on a Sunday, uh, I'm hoping that Gaz and maybe you, Ralph, can jump in and do your own <laughs> set from the England side. That would be awesome. You know, no pressure, just, you know, what we can do. Um, but, um, <laughs> you know, if Jim needs a break from streaming. So, uh, you know, we got all kinds of stuff. And, you know, Ralph is mainly our graphics guy. So he's got a lot of stuff going on at work. So it's hard for him to jump on camera. So, which is fine. We all have our part to play in this in this wonderful world of, that we have created. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um you know, another shout out. I want to shout out to my friend Alex at Full Battle Rattle because we're using his interpreter from the Canadian Command Crew. Is our interpreter Ahmed? Is it Ahmed or Ahmed? Uh, I'm trying to remember his name. I think um, it's Ahmed, isn't it? I think so. Um, 
it's been a while since I've sort of I haven't read up recently on the 13 hour stuff and I haven't seen the film in a while so uh, I'm looking at I have it right here uh, I just want to make sure I give credit where credit's due on mm-hmm. that because Tonto gives him his pistol and then he keeps yeah. smacking it away from him I don't want to get killed by my own gun and uh, damn it I'm going to die by my own you know friends uh, Tonto hands off his Glock to translator Amal Good God, it was Amal. We're both wrong. <laughs> I give up. Let's go, right? That's it. All right, I quit. I'm Thanks, done. Guys, right <laughs> Thanks, guys, for all the help, right? <laughs> so, yeah, Amal. So, I've already got Amal all painted up. Uh, we're, so, we're using the guy from Full Battle Rattle. So, Alex, if you're listening to this, and I'll make sure I let you know. Uh, guys, if you have not seen Alex's uh, minis from uh, their, uh, you know, Canadian military, really nice minis. I've painted them up on a live stream before. Um, I plan on doing a little Spectre battle with them on the uh, Black Sight Studio demo table we got last year from Adepticon. So look for that in the future. That'll be after, obviously, uh, we get done with 13 days, 13 hours. Um, but uh, I'm hoping in the future we see more from Alex. And it's, you know, talking about future wants and releases. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to see him expand his stuff. I know he's looking for a sculptor, I think, at the moment. But, um, yeah. Everybody seems to be having issues with sculpting at the moment, don't they? I mean, uh, Colin had issues, didn't he, with yeah, the, with the Ameri- you know, which is So I'm kind of curious as to what happened there because I at last year's Adepticon, Mm-hmm. Um, I got an got early set of the minis. So, was it the and they look great. Or the Russians you got? I got Russians and the... Americans. All right, you got them both. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, what happened to the Americans that they have? You know, they're having problems. Don't know. It just seems to be. It seems to be now that that's and this might be just my thinking. It seems to be a very niche skill at the moment. That's that trying to get be. a good miniature sculptor i don't know whether they've been picked up or yeah. or you know or what um do we have a little time to talk about ffg yes let's do it should we should we should we discuss well, ffg the, you know what? what the hell's going on well let's talk about the industry as a whole you know um yeah let's but you know ffg obviously is the big one but mm-hmm. industry as a whole gaming i'm talking gaming now that we're seeing yeah. a lot of consolidation Mm. Uh, we're seeing consolidation and we're seeing the small companies really struggling right now. Even some of the yeah. big companies, obviously. But so the question I have to ask, and, you know, if you're a fan of uh, on tabletop beast of war, you know, Warren has said for several years, we're in the golden age of gaming. I mm. think the bubbles burst. I've, I don't mean to I've be the naysayer, just... but I think the bubbles burst and we're seeing the um, correction. Yeah, I think we're seeing a correction somewhat. And I think, I know this is going to sound, shall we say, a dig at one company. And I don't mean it'd be a dig at one company, but I think part of the issue with what's been going on is being Games Workshop. Oh, how is Games Workshop the bad guy? And I think, well, I think it's just the steamroller that it is. And I think their price point is part of the issue. Okay. Because if you look not, you, you look at the new the new set that's coming out. Uh-huh. Or the set before that, it's over a hundred pounds in the UK. Yeah, which I think is a lot of money for a lot of minis. That there doesn't seem to be variety. You're getting this, you know, not many of the same, the un different poses. Now I could be wrong. I'm not a games workshop. You know, I don't collect games workshop. I haven't looked. I just looked at the price point, and yeah. I thought from somebody coming into the hobby. Uh huh. 
that you know uh, uh, someone of the age you know from the mid the teens isn't going to have that amount of money to buy a that type of starter set and granted you can get start collecting sets but they're still 50 quid yeah and you're not getting a rule book in those in those in those you know those um those start collecting sets yeah you are in the main corp big sets you're getting a rule book or you're getting a a codex or something but in those start collecting ones unlike the spectre one where you've got a rule book which I think is a great way, you know, you get yeah. a rule book, you get two starting forces, you can play straight away. It's a bit like what the Frames Award is, you know, you get yeah. a rule book, you get two forces, you can play. Yeah. The Games Workshop ones, you're not. And I don't know whether that's, and I think that's limited. Uh, it's not limited. I think that's purposeful where, oh, you're getting some minis, so you're going to have to spend another 30, 40 quid to buy our rule book. Uh-huh. And... It was mentioned today on OTT that Games Workshop posted their earnings. Yeah. And it was something like £2 billion. Wow. That's that's pretty good. It, it is very good, but does that mean now, you know, is it, is it because they are this behemoth that are that are doing this and they're you know they're 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 doing what they do is it having an effect on the rest of the industry that uh, all the money seems to be squaring towards them and you've got all of the small independents you know like spectre like say yeah. colin and and sangan you know yes we're, we're highlighting the stuff we know out there you know even uh mantic and people like that is it having that a knock-on effect to their product Oh, I think so. So here's my theory on this whole thing. Uh, obviously, GW has come back with a new marketing strategy over the last couple of yeah. years. Uh, yeah. They're more. Uh, they're back with a vengeance. They mm-hmm. are very uh, aggressive. Aggressive in communities uh, mm-hmm. where they weren't before. They were. Remember how they were so standoffish before? They wouldn't oh, talk yeah. about anything. Now they're very community oriented. Um, mm-hmm. They have a solid pro, uh, product. I mean, mm-hmm. their minis are, what, regardless whether you like them or not, if you look they're at them... They're very well the, done. They're very well done. Uh, everything is a high quality. Yes, you're paying an extremely high premium for them yeah. to the point where, uh, is it really worth it? I, that I can't say. I don't play 40K. I do have uh, the most recent edition starter set. Well, the 8th mm-hmm. edition starter set. I haven't had anything yeah. since the 8th edition starter set came out. And I do have the Tau starter force, and I bought an old Tau. I like the Tau because I like the suits. I mean, yeah, I know I nothing like about how they actually out. play. I just like the look of them. So it's yeah. one of those things that if I ever decide to actually play, because my brother was a big 40K player, um, mm-hmm. you know, before he got his new job and his, unfortunately doesn't have as much time as he used to. But, um, you know, so if I ever decide to play it, grand. Um, mm-hmm. I play Lord of the Rings from them. Very well done minis. Yes, a really good are. solid rule set. Unfortunately, it's one of those things that ebbs and flows with them. They'll produce some mm-hmm. stuff, they'll promote it, and then it kind of fades away. Then somebody else likes it again, they'll promote it again. They don't put as much energy into it as they do 40K in Age of Sigmar. Mm-hmm. My opinion, yeah. Age of Sigmar, it's terrible. Uh, I don't like the looks of them. I, no, I'm not a fan of the Sig- 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 uh, I, I like chaos stuff. Yeah, oh, I just, I've, I've looked at the chaos stuff and some of the other stuff there, yeah. especially the Warcry stuff, and I thought that would be great for a Warlords of Eberron barbarian army. Yeah. So, you know, no, go ahead. 
so that was it. Yeah. Um, speaking of um, Lord of the Rings, in the UK, and I don't know if you got it in America, but when the movies came out, especially, uh, I think it was around the time of The Hobbit or the last, it was around the time of The Hobbit. Uh-huh. Games Workshop, did you know how they're doing, they did the thing with this, the Primaris and the Kiosk where they did, where you could buy a magazine and you got a mini yes. and some paints and yeah. how to play. They did that for Lord of the Rings. Oh, nice. So, and I got everything for it. Excellent. So I got a load of plastic orcs and you got all the metal minis. So I've got a Lutz. I've got, a you know, the 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 the, um, the Fellowship uh-huh. and all of that. So I've got all of them sitting there because I was going to bring out the orcs and use them somewhere else because yeah. they're nice minis and it looks like they're that it's a really simple paid scheme no offense to anybody that likes it but i think it's a really simple paid scheme to get something on the table because yeah. it is just dark metals and d- dark browns yeah for the for the, especially for the urukai and stuff the the characters not so much you know you've got to spend your time on the characters but the rank and file sort of fighty orcs with yeah. the, the, the full helmets of his is a, is a thing so because I was looking that was one thing I was looking to do this year was have a do a little bit of modern uh-huh. not a lot but take a break and have do like something completely different because you know you, you can get burnt out you know we've all oh yeah yeah oh, hobby, hobby burnout and stuff like that so you know just just not concentrating all on the same thing all the time I think just will drive your brain out, the, out your head through your ears so but um, yeah, you're right. I have seen nothing new. I think the the last new thing I saw for Lord of the Rings, and I could be wrong, was when they released Smaug. Oh no, there's been a lot since then. Has there um, been some stuff since that? Oh yeah, I, I mean, there's Smaug a whole new that. whole new starter set, um, which right. I picked up last oh, there year. Was the Pelinor Field starter yep, set. Yeah, Pelinor Field. So, some of it is just re reissues, mm-hmm. but um. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some stuff. Um, they've had. You know, I got um. Oh, what did I just get? Oh, I got you know Lake Town scenery. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I got the special edition miniature of Thorn Oakenshield and uh, Balog, or not Balog. Um, oh, the the goblin or the orc guy. Um, the white, the guy in white, the white orc. Yes, you know when they're on uh, the ice flow. No, they're they're putting out stuff. It's just <laughs> I'm just hoping they keep up the momentum. But here's my theory on what's happening right now. We can talk about FFG. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we oversaturated. Mm-hmm. It's almost you know what it reminds me of. And you're I don't know if you're old enough to remember this, but back in the 80s when Atari mm-hmm. and you had Atari ColecoVision. Back yes, in, I am old enough to remember <laughs> that. Today. So. If you remember, I, I, I everybody in the world, year, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, everybody in the world was putting out a game for Atari. I mean, even yes. cereal companies were putting out games for Atari, E-T. and most of them were crap. You know, mm-hmm. um, ET. <laughs> yeah, uh, I want a cartridge of ET just because I don't remember playing it, and I know it's terrible. But I want to. I have my original Atari, so I'd still all like right. to collect all that. But mm-hmm. we oversaturated the video game market yeah. in the eighties, and it crashed, mm-hmm. right? And then oh, Nintendo yeah, came on, and then um, because Atari, I mean, you you stood in line for hours to get Pac Man. You got mm-hmm. Pac Man home, and it was pure garbage. You know, but you played it. I played it because you had no choice. What else are you going to play, yeah. right? It's, uh, a bit like, it, it's a bit like comic books. It's yeah. exactly the same as what happened to the comic book market. Yeah. You know, yes, we, yes, we're on a comic book high at the moment because of the MCU. 
But the reason that the MCU hasn't didn't have any of some of their characters uh, until recently, like the X Men, Spider Man, the Hulk, the Fantastic Four, is because Marvel. Yep. In it before got bought by Disney and even before then was in so much financial trouble that they sold all of those off to those different to Sony, to Fox, you know, yeah. to Universal. Um, just gave them those characters. Yeah. And then when Disney took over and you had the rise of I- Iron Man set it off, you know, and Disney went, Well, we need to start doing looking at other things. Yeah. And they went, Oh, well, you can't use Spider Man because it's owned by this, you can't use this and this. You know, it's it it's that it's that ebb and flow. You know, and it's, you know, and you know, is the bubble bursting? It is. I don't think it. I, I think it's not bursting as in pop and everything's going to go to crap. You know, but I think there's going to be a slowdown where then the market's at such a, a saturation. To the 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 miniatures market. I mean, the the tabletop uh, war gaming market. Yeah. I don't think you're going to see that with role-playing. You don't think so? No, I don't think we'll see that with role-playing. I think you'll see the progression that has happened with role-playing because of D&D 5e. Uh-huh. You know, that is it, it, its zenith. And I think, and I could be wrong, I'd have to check the numbers, but I think with the growth of 5e, you know, and... There was still people, it was still popular, even though the game system was crap with fourth edition. Third edition was very popular, you know, uh-huh. second AD&D, as it was called, which was technically second edition D&D and D&D, you know, it's all been very popular. And it is, a you know, a, probably one of the longest running game and franchise going. Yeah. You know, from the original Gary Gygax 1970s version to now. I don't think you're going to see with that hit, uh-huh. but I think you're going to see... The likes of Games Workshop, and we'll talk about what FFG have done. You know, this past week, you know, that was a big shock. What that announcement? If it is, you know, true because they've dropped Destiny. Is that right? Yeah, Destiny's gone, and Dawn Destiny. cried, literally cried, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's gone. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because it's a, she loves the game. I mean, she is on a buying fringe right now to buy as much as she can to get mm-hmm. whatever she didn't have. I mean, she's got an extensive collection. It's ridiculous. So it's it's crazy as to why they canceled it. I Here's my opinion why they canceled it. They ran out of material for cards. You know, the unless you're going to start making stuff up, they've pretty much explored yeah. the canon of Star Wars at this point. Did they, do, they didn't do anything for Rise yet, though. I, I don't they have one more set coming out, so I don't know if that's going to include um, Rise or not. But right, yeah. But does this then mean because the 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 Destiny's gone? It's the interactive part gone. So all of those apps that they were developing for, like Lord of the Rings, tabletop game, the board game, all of those have gone. The Descent app, and I'm guessing the app for is it Elder? Uh, Thingy of Mansion of Madness, the Cthulhu yeah. game that FFG yeah. do. So yeah. all of that stuff's gone. Which also means I've got an iPad with one of the Cthulhu games that FFG did on. So I'm guessing that won't be supported anymore. Yeah. Um, is it the ro- is it the role playing one is definitely being closed because it was. I couldn't say anywhere exactly what was being said about 
that role playing. All um, uh, role playing is done. Fantasy Flight is now. out of the role playing business. So that means we now have a defunct Star Wars role playing game. Yep. Another one. Yep. On top of the three that have gone before it. Yep. Um, their own game system. Yep. Is gone. The Light Forge, because Light Forge was moving into role playing, I think. Uh, you might be right on that. Yep. Um, they didn't have Cthulhu. They didn't have um, Warhammer because that went that went to Gale Force Nine. I think it is. Yep. They lost the GW uh, license. Yep. They lost the GW license, so all the GW stuff went. And so the big role-playing one out of that lot, Star Wars. Yep. And thankfully, I have my original Star Wars, and I did get some of the other Star Wars role-playing stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I got it for collection more than playing. Um, but, yeah, Fantasy Flight, unless you – like right now, I'm looking on Amazon, and this is where you're going to get the stuff that's still in stock somewhere because – Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but yeah. what does that mean for that? And that also means the LR, the Legend of the Five Rings. Anything role playing is gone. Uh, yeah. The interactive, so the Lord of the Rings online game is gone. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you'll still be able to get it. I think you can still download it from Steam, but it's not going to be supported anymore. Yeah. Um, the the guy that was the um, head of FFG that I talked to. Was it last year, or year before at Adepticon? When the, not Adepticon, was Gen it Adepticon? Con wasn't it? Gen Con, Gen Con. When they had the big reveal of um, Keyforge. Was that Legion? When they uh, had the reveal of Legion or Lightforge? No, it was Keyforge. Uh, Keyforge. So that, uh, that's what I meant. Keyforge. Yeah, Keyforge. Keyforge the uh, they revealed Keyforge, and they revealed the uh, Emperor Emperor's uh, Star Destroyer. Remember the? Oh, uh, that was two years ago. Yeah, so that, that was last, last year. Well, that guy's before. gone. So I mean they've had a big sh- you know since Asmo Day has come in and took an o- take took an over uh, Fantasy but, Flight they are cleaning house and now but it wasn't Asmodee, Asmodee though it's sold that? it Asmo sold it FFG got sold to whom um, that's what was mentioned this morning on let's have a look FFG sold it's well it's Asmodee Games was sold I think. Oh, they sold to a, a hedge fund or something like that, didn't mm-hmm. they? Let's look at Asmodi Games sold. Sale of Asmodi. Um, yeah, to an investment term uh, firm, Pay P A I. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody said um, that. The reason Star Wars stuff is all is that Disney's looking to buy them out. I don't know if that's true or not, but, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> They've got the money. <laughs> I mean, they're buying everything else. Why not this, right? Uh, yeah. But, again, it comes down to, I think we're seeing, like, uh, let's see, who is it? Fenris Games just announced mm-hmm. that they're yeah, probably going to be closing. Um, yeah, I saw that. I've had ordered. Yeah. Because uh, I've, I've got I've got the original Alien versus Predator kit set. Uh-huh. I didn't go through the Kickstarter. I was not one of the people that did the Kickstarter. I've got the second edition set, uh, both the core rules and the expansion they did just before they lost the AVP license. Um, but with the original Aliens versus Predator set, because there were resin minis, they uh-huh. came on like Games Workshop round bases. Um, so I went to Fenris and you bought resin what is a set called the Sulaco set and it's the decking yeah it looks like starship decking and he does different size bases uh, really nice lovely resin cast 
you know, a little bit of cleaning, but you get on most resin. Yep. Um, it's great company, great guy to work with, you know, just, just you know, certain things that came and lovely. Yeah, they announced that. I think part of it, there was an announcement, part of it was illness. Yeah. But I think uh, it's also, he said that the orders have dropped off. So is this an impact of people printing their own as well? Yeah. For small guys like this, printing off their own bases, you know, because you can go to sh- you can go to you know, uh, Thingverse and find, you know, she has my S- 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 STL file for printing bases for AVP or printing bases with starships on, you know, decking yeah. on and things like that. So is three yeah. D printing having an effect on these smaller companies that do things like this? Yeah, you know, and you know, what's going on with Seamon? Uh, you know, because they're now owned by Asmodee and. Oh, God so, knows. Um, I don't know, but like I said, you're seeing consolidation of the of the um, industry. You're seeing a lot of the smaller independent guys unable to keep up. Um, mm-hmm. I think we have oversaturation of you know Kickstarter. As good as it is, oh, yeah. has mm-hmm. helped oversaturate the market. I mean, people buy these tremendous Kickstarters. And they never yeah. play this stuff because it's so much stuff, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it sits there on the shelf and you don't play it. I mean, there's so much. And then what happens is because there's so much choice, it gets to the point of oversaturation. Mm-hmm. People does, start yeah. going, I can't play this. I'm going to get rid of it. You know, I just picked up Jonah of Arc uh, from a marketplace on Facebook. Mm-hmm. From some guy says, look, I'm never going to play this game. I want to, but I'm just, I don't have time. And so I got it for dirt cheap and I got it more for collection than, you know, I might play it once or twice. But I'm not going to be, it's not going to be my primary game, you no. know? So they've gone through a, a, a restructure as well. Oh, low boy. Uh, okay. So we're going to figure that out. But yeah, they have gone through a, a restructure. The, um, the guys yeah. playing Joan of Arc and stuff. I mean, I've, I've got, Two things with Kickstarter. I've got a, I've got sort of two pronged. It's my opinion. Uh, you know, people can yep. yell at me all at once. I perch. I got on Kickstarter. I got the the Walking Dead, and I paid a lot of money. I got everything in, within that starting Kickstarter. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And it's sitting on my shelf. Yeah. Yeah. And I haven't painted, haven't touched it. Oh, dude, have you played it though? Okay, outside I've of not paint- even played it. I've not even oh, taken it out of the box. You know what? There. That you're talking the Mantic one, right? Yes. Yeah. And that's my. I've got an. I've got an, an argument on Mantic as well. Is Mantic seem to be doing very well? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why are they, Why do they keep going back to Kickstarter? Okay, so here's the thing. Uh, I I and talked to Ronnie me because I think they're really doing very well. But that does annoy me that you've got this company that does very well. Yeah, yeah. they've got some really popular lines out there. Yeah. Why did they see the need to have to go back to Kickstarter oh, when they well, are I doing very well? I can tell you exactly well. why. I can tell I, you. Exactly I, I why. you can, but you know. Okay, so it's talking to Ronnie. Mm-hmm. So talking to Ronnie. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, they're doing. They're doing well. I don't know if you could say they're doing extremely well, but you got to no, remember they have very tight margins. So yeah. the cost of creating a game to mm-hmm. the cost of the uh, proofs, the mm-hmm. molds, the greens, and yeah. getting it shipped to, you know, going to China, having it produced, shipped mm-hmm. back, printing. Printing is expensive. Yeah. I'm not talking about the mini creation, actually no, printing manuals and box art and stuff. Yeah. That's really expensive these mm-hmm. days. So, you know, if you think about it, so let's take, uh, let me pull up Mantic here so we can talk real prices and 
you know, Kings Ronnie, if you're listening at some point, um, I'll make sure I link uh, Ronnie into this so mm-hmm. he can jump in at some point and he can add a comment if you want. All right. So like Kings of War third edition's out now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So if we go to Kings of War, because that's I. What is their most recent Kickstarter? Was it Kings of War? I, don't I think know. it was Kings of War Third Edition, wasn't it? Yeah. Or was it? Why was it Hellboy? Uh, Hellboy. So let's let's go to Hellboy. Let me bring up Hellboy. 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 There it is. It, it just seems you know. Okay. So Hellboy. From my being out of the, you know not not knowing these people and stuff like that, it just seems a little bit. Well, you from gotta, my own point of view, you see. Yeah. Let me bring up the shop. Why Hellboy wasn't coming up, I don't know, but let me bring it. Okay, so the Hellboy, the board game, is $100 U.S., which Mm -hmm. roughly translates to 75 pounds. Okay? Mm -hmm. So, out of that $100, printing costs per... We're going to talk per game now. So, you're talking, Mm -hmm. I got to pay my people to design the game. So, they typically are going to get a flat fee up front, and then they get a percentage of the sales. Um, mm-hmm. So let's say, and then you got to pay licensing fee because it's a licensed game, right? Yeah. So maybe mm-hmm. Hellboy's not the best example, but it, it does provide an example. So, all right, out of $99, just talking licensing fee, you're probably talking $20 per mm-hmm. game. All right. Yeah. Then you take another 10% goes to the creator of the game. So that's 30% right off the top. So you're down to mm-hmm. $70. Then you've got to uh, produce the molds and design and print. That's going to cost you probably uh, $50 uh, mm. per game. So now you're up to, what did we say, $80. So at least yeah, $20 uh, to cover um, <laughs> other things. So out of that $100, they're probably making 10 to $15 profit mm-hmm. per game. So, you know, and if you don't sell well, you've because you got to remember, you got to pay up front for everything. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's it's I mean, tough. Yeah, I, I, you know, I understand that it's just not being part of you know knowing because yeah. you've got the links to the industry and stuff. Like that. You're just from an from a shall we say a consumer's point of view. You know, cast me as a consumer. I just see it as like, well, you know, you've got a success and you're going back into something that. Yeah may not you know you're you're trying to get your game work so say for example they didn't get the funding for kings of war third edition uh-huh all those kings of war players would have been you know ooh, you know what's going on here you know type yeah. of thing of this i'm going back to play a second edition and things like that but what if i don't want to play a second edition because you know they've released the beat over the rules or whatever you know yep. it's, it's that it just seems to be like a double-edged sword for some of them you know to do this with with especially with Kickstarter, because yeah. it is very, 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 you know, hit or miss yeah. on what gets funded and what doesn't. I'm still waiting. I've, um, you're probably the same. I backed a Kickstarter two years ago, uh-huh. and I'm still waiting for it. Uh, which one was that? And I know that's not unusual. Which one are you and, still waiting on? Um, I went with the Rook and the Raven to get one of their D&D folios. Oh, no, I didn't do that one. Yeah. It's a leather-bound, you know, folio. You can put your character sheet in. You can track your campaign and stuff like that. Really nice, uh-huh. you know. And I went through it because, you know, I watched Critical Role and they yep. were all using it and they were saying, you know, it's a really nice product. So I booked it, I backed it, and I'm still waiting for it because I've had problems getting the leather. Well, I can but tell this you is two years now. Uh, another thing, you know, with Kickstarters, some of the mm-hmm. stuff, you know, like you're saying, it has to be delivered or. 
isn't going to be delivered. Uh, mm-hmm. I backed uh, several games from my friend John Caddis. Uh, mm-hmm. If you know that name, he is the head of Ninja Division or um, yeah, Seaborn. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I backed the latest um, uh, Super Dungeon Explorer, and mm-hmm. I backed uh, the train game Rail Raiders. I'm yeah. not going to see either of those games, to be honest with you. Um, so that's several hundred dollars gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and look, I know it's not a pre-order system. The way mm-hmm. I look at it is I'm making an investment into a game. Mm-hmm. And there's a risk when you invest. So these people yeah, that are there, screaming and yelling that it, you know they didn't get their product, you guys got to understand, you would run the risk of losing your money. However, that's if it's the legitimate reason. If people continue mm-hmm. to – it's almost like a Ponzi scheme. I'm going to pay you this money. I'm going to promise you this. Then you go to the next people. I'm going to – if you pay me this money, I'm going to promise you this. And they use that money to pay off the other people that they promised. And it's a pyramid mm-hmm. scheme, right? Yeah. If you're treating it like a pyramid scheme – and I'm not saying any company's doing this. I'm just using it as no. an example. Then that's mm-hmm. where there's an issue. So Ninja Division, I don't see me getting those stuff. Mm-hmm. Which frustrates me because when I was at Gen Con two years ago talking to John Caddis, they had a stack of Rail Raiders sitting right there, and I still hadn't gotten mine. And as of today, I still don't have mine. Um, mm. My friends over at uh, Devil Pig Games, mm-hmm. I have still yet to receive my Kickstarter for Heroes of Normandy, the card game. Yeah. And people supposedly be getting in, a lot of people haven't gotten it, and then they've done other things. They haven't answered any of my messages. Um, you know, and I've been trying to be really brave about not calling them out on the podcast, but guess what, yeah. guys? I'm calling you out. Where is my freaking game? It gets to a point where frustrations do boil over yep. and, you know, the things. Like so, I said, I if nobody got their game and they had problems producing it, that's yeah. one thing. But when they're selling it on their website and people are getting it and a lot of other people aren't and they are not responding to you, I have yeah. a problem with that. So where is my bloody game? I think the of the, the worst case of that is AVP. Yeah. Well, you know, but the issue, uh, but there were issues with that, but I don't think they communicated them. That's the problem. They don't communicate. That's the problem. Uh, Because it was a licenses issue. They had created something, put it on the original Kickstarter and Fox went, no, yeah, that's not, no, you can't do that. Pulled it off. And that's when they, because in that Kickstarter as well, in the original Kickstarter or the one of Kickstarter, they are promised so much yeah, and they couldn't deliver on what they promised, but some of it was not not what Fox wanted, so it had to be removed. And then there was all of the Fox sign-off. Yeah. And I think that's where AVP sort of fell over, was the miscommunication with its backers and also the process of getting stuff okayed from Fox to then coming back, yeah. you know, to, to Protoss to then produce it. But then the last... April, the, the the license wasn't renewed, but we guessed why that was, because Disney was buying Fox, and yep. that was falling under the Disney remit. And then, is it Gale Force 9 are doing the Alien, the new Alien board game? I think, it's, coming out? I think it's Gale Force 9, yeah. I yeah, mean, so you run a huge com- risk when you license... Uh, material from a company these days, yeah. especially for a miniatures company where your margins are so tight, you don't mm-hmm. have a huge surplus of cash, operating mm-hmm. cash, and you know you could be in the middle of your project. And I'm not supporting AV um, 
Protos miniatures at all. However, we have a good relationship with Protos. They're the ones who helped create Dawn's mini. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they were always good to us and they were very, you know, it's, I think they got stuck between a rock and a hard place. I think they, they did as well. I think their original licensing agreement was approved. They started producing their Kickstarter and it went live. And then I don't know if there was a personnel change or some lawyer got involved at Fox and they said no. And that created a whole bunch of licensing and production issues. And my understanding, talking to the guys from uh, Protos, is that every miniature, sculpt, print, whatever involved in that Kickstarter had to be sent to them for approval. Yeah. And they kept delaying the approval process which delayed the kickstarter which ran up costs mm-hmm. and um that's where they got in trouble they they basically you know their costs overran their estimates because of the licensing process they were being put through which mm-hmm. caused um issues with delivering of the kickstarter now yeah i'm not as result absolving them of blame they should no. have been honest and open with their their people when mm-hmm. we talked to the guys over in Poland about it, they said, look, we're not game manufacturers. We're engineers. We could have done mm-hmm. a better job. They took responsibility for it because yeah, we had did. extensive conversations with them when we were designing Dawn's miniature because we didn't want to put money into it because, you know, it costs money. Mm-hmm. And um, we didn't want to get you know stuck in the same thing. But they were open and honest with us, said, look, we didn't do a good job of communicating. We should have been open and honest from the front. It started costing us extra money. We weren't making salaries. We had to invest everything we had to keep the company open. And mm-hmm. then we had to ask for money from the Kickstarter people again. And then they tried to do another Kickstarter to yeah. get surplus cash to help fund you know, the overruns. So Kickstarter, if run right and everything goes perfect, mm-hmm. can be a good tool. Yeah. If you have any roadblocks, bumps in the road, changes in production, whatever, and you don't account for that overrun, holy moly, are you in big trouble, right? Mm-hmm. So I, oh, definitely. And I think that's where these a lot of these companies have gotten into is that they have all these issues where they didn't estimate this, you know, overruns and extra costs and problems that they had. And, you know, and it, it just sets you up for failure. I mean, look at my dear friends over at Foreground. Yeah. You know? So. Yes, yes. That was that was a little bit of a shock when that, that yeah. sort of was announced and stuff. I mean, the other thing as well is um, I think some companies are going to Kickstarter offer too much uh-huh. in the way of their stretch goals. Yeah. They don't keep it to a small, you know. Realistic amount. And realistic. You know they have created a monster mm-hmm. because some of these campaigns have had such huge stretch goals. People oh, now yeah. expect it. And if you don't offer the sun and the moon, your Kickstarter mm-hmm. runs the risk of failing because you don't have enough good stretch goals. And that's not what it was meant to be. So they've created no. their own monster and they've shot themselves in the foot. I mean, you look at you look at games. So if we look at Mythic Battle Pantheon uh-huh. as an example of... Love that much, game, by the way. I love the minis. I've never played the games, but game's I looked good. at the minis game's and good. went... Yeah. I went, ooh, they would be really good for doing, like, Mortal Gods... Uh-huh. Uh huh. That's coming out. The Mortal yep. Gods Mythic. That's coming out. Yep. Perfect minis for that. You know, yeah. The, the, the things. But you look at the amount of stuff that I'm thinking from a cost point of view to get everything. It was a thousand dollars US to it get everything. A lot. And yes, the 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 pile of boxes was the height of me, and I'm nearly coming up with six foot. And it was like I could never paint all of that. <laughs> 
for one thing, you know, you've got to take that into consideration. That that itself is probably someone's hobby for five to six. I would say if you're not a prolific painter, a good for a two long, to three long years. Time. Yeah, yeah. You know, that would keep you going. You wouldn't have to buy anything else. But you know what? That. The, yeah, it oversaturated because they got you on shiny syndrome. They got you yeah. so excited. I'm going to buy all this stuff. And then you don't realize what you've gotten yourself into. You spent all this money, you know, in the case of the all in package, $1,000. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and then it arrives and you literally have a six, seven foot tower box, you know, tall boxes and then comes the storage problem and you know and after shiny syndrome wears off you're looking at this pile going shit what am i going to do with all this stuff you know and and realistically when you play the game you only use four or five minis in a game you know i must admit with the walking dead i can probably use that stuff for um the last day's skirmish game yeah you know, because I've got those, those the nice little, nice little things there. But did you see as well, well as we're talking about Kickstarters, and we'll bring it back to modern miniatures? Did you see Miniature Gaming Authority is doing another one? They're doing uh, a new vehicle. They're doing the truck, right? The Dusenham. They do, yeah, it's, yeah. They're doing the Russian truck. I think it is. Oh, is it a Russian truck? Okay. It looks like it's a Russian truck. Yeah. Yeah, which... I'll I'll get that because his Kickstarters one, they're pretty much already done. Yeah. By the time you know, he's just looking for the final funding because basically what he does, my understanding at least, and Kirk, mm-hmm. if you're listening, you can correct me on this, but he invests his own money. In, yeah. into creating the, the, the templates or the, the greens or, you know, the masters mm-hmm. and then uh, offers it up to Kickstarter to cover the production costs, which is smart because he's, he's invested his money first. And mm-hmm. then um, so you get your product pretty quick, like the war pig. I got that mm-hmm. in a couple months later. So mm-hmm. uh, he does it smart. He doesn't overdo it. Um, you know, it's a pretty simple Kickstarter. This is what you're going to get for this amount of money. Boom, done. So uh, it's it's a Ural. Yeah. you? So I'm thinking that's the Russian truck. I'm, I could be wrong. It might be American. Uh, that's not American. So it's the U R A L. So yeah, it looks like yeah. which would be perfect to go with Miss Betnas. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you could use that because we use a lot of Hemets now and MTVs and LTVs and JLTVs. Because like in yeah. that picture you see in the lower part, you got Hemets. I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe the URL is the, the modern day deuce and a half. I, you know, I'm going back to mm-hmm. – I'm showing my age because I, I got my license. I learned how to drive a mil- – I got my military license learning how to drive a mm-hmm. deuce and a half. You know, it wasn't even mm-hmm. a Humvee. I, I had to drive a deuce and a half. So um, – but hey, how do you I like that a, miniature? I- Mm. Yes, I was going to say, who painted? <laughs> so, guys, I know you can't see it, but Ralph's looking at the so. uh, Facebook page and he's looking at Marty's miniature. This is uh, if if you were if you look at this if watch the Hobby Night stream from thir- last Thursday. Yes, this is uh, a creation that Jen, Jim's girlfriend, told Marty he had to do. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at it when I first saw the pitch and went. <laughs> so there's a lot of garish colors there. So uh, is that contrast paint? Uh, some of it's contrast paint. Some of it's airbrush paint. Uh, some of it is. Um, I think we use some uh, turbo dark paints too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we tried to go with the most obnoxious colors because it's it's going to be the running joke. Hey, I'm going to shoot that guy. Which guy? And I'm like, seriously, you need to ask. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be the run, the running joke. Going to put yeah. um, the other one because I think we need to. We'll 
you know, we'll do this now. Anyways, we'll put a shout out to the guys over at um, Rules of Engagement podcast. Yes. Yep. Um, you know that they've been posting up as well for because they're at Adepticon. Uh huh. Yeah, we're gonna tables. we're gonna meet up with them at Adepticon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they've been post. One of the guys, Michael, has been posting up his pictures of the, some of the stuff he's been doing for Adepticon. Uh huh. And as you can see, yeah, this is the one set of it, which is the Texas. Yep, Texas Rangers. You got looks like mm-hmm. you got Texas Rangers. You've got uh, Department of Public Safety, uh, yep. tactical teams, and Border Patrol or whatever. So yeah, this looks pretty good. And he's got the. I think it's the. It says at the top there. So you've got Texas Ranger Border Patrol, Texas Ranger Recon, DPS, and um, DPS, and then you've got Mexican. Uh-huh. So the bottom ones are all the Mexicans that he's done. Yep. Which look really good. You know yeah. they really do. Um, they've, they've, I listened to their their third episode this this week, and uh, they were talking about this, and they said they've got some surprises and stuff. Um, and because I've done the the, the character sheet for the Spectre for my Spetsnaz, uh-huh. um, and I posted up on the operations website. Uh, it's like a unit card for people who don't know. You can get it on the Spectre operations wargaming site. There's a template. They reached out, so I've sent them a copy of the base template I use, so they can do some nice stuff for their gaming tables. Nice, because I think they're participation games. I think they're doing. Uh-huh. Yes, they um, are. I could, I could be wrong. You no, know, they are. They're doing. Yeah. Uh, they have. Uh, it's not really a tournament because no. Spectre doesn't like the idea of tournaments, uh, but they are participation games. Mm-hmm. So they're doing south of the border or the, the 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 border participation games, which will be interesting for anybody wanting to see what's going on with with Spectre. Yep. And the other thing as well for anybody that's interested, tabletop CP, and I don't know if you've seen these ones, G. Uh, yes, I haven't the watched the videos, I, but I have seen their uh, yeah posts. Well, their videos they're doing, they're doing uh, a campaign uh-huh. set in a fake country, and they've been posting up the battle reports and everything. And they've got they've got um, Black Side Studio Studio uh, terrain in there and all sorts. Um, it was quite interesting. The third game was uh, like a mission to basically capture an HVT, uh-huh. and they ended up losing an entire team. Just shows you how dangerous Spectre is. There was an entire team in a building when the HVT vehicle pulled up. Yeah. Um, they got spotted somehow and uh, in watching it. So the and the the op four got the initiative. So they lobbed a grenade into the building. Oh. And successfully hit the target inside oh. the building. Yeah. So it was like this entire four man operator squad was just hurt or wounded. Just grenade straight in. Took half of half of the units straight off the board. Great. So they ended up. So the fourth mission is the rescue uh, that they've done of, of those those two teams of operators. Uh-huh. It's their like the rescue mission. So it's almost like the Alamo. Okay. So it's worth it's definitely worth watching. It's interesting. They've done a nice. There's a nice narrative behind it as well, which is what we've said at the beginning of it was, you know, Spectre lends itself really well to that narrative. Gotcha. Narrative thing. Excellent. All right. Well, we're coming up to almost two hours on this podcast. Yeah, so, yeah I went fast. Um, mm. So uh, any final thoughts, Ralph, before we close out the show today? 
I've got nothing other than thank you to everybody who listens, you know? Yeah, thank you. And we appreciate our Patreon supporters and everybody else. If you have not subscribed to uh, any of our channels, please do so. Check out our merchandise at Zazzle.com. If you thought about helping us out, every little bit counts. Uh, You can get us over at Patreon. I'll make sure I put the links in the description below. Uh, To everybody out there, we hope you have a great week of gaming. Um, You know, even if you just sit down for an hour and read a book or paint a mini all is good in the world so until the next time for ralph this is g and we want to wish you an awesome week and we'll talk to you soon take care